thanks for being here. All right, we're in a series called Forward in Faith. And uh, we're learning how to move forward in our faith, how to grow in our faith, how to mature in the Lord, how to be discipled and to be disciples of Christ and what that means. And, and in this uh, series, we're using the word forward as our outline, and, and, and it's kind of an acrostic. And so the letters stand for, the, uh, for follow, obey, reach, worship, abide, resist, and disciple. Now, if you have a photographic memory, you will notice I switched a couple of those. I, I switched the R's, so some of you may notice that, because I had it, a follow, obey, resist, and then I had to reach towards the end. But since we're doing Missions Month, I, I really felt more, it was more appropriate to move the, the, that, those R's around. I know it's been no big deal to most of you, but just for those of you who do say, why do you move those R's? That's why it is. Uh, we, uh, we began by talking about what it really means to follow Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a, a follower of Christ? It's more than just making a decision about Christ or for Christ. But, but it's, it's following him with your life, and it's learning from him, and it's learning to become like him. And we spoke several weeks about following him, and then we spoke a couple weeks about the O in forward, which is about obedience and about how, how uh, out of love for God we obey him. Not out of legalism, but out of love. And we get all this from the Great Commission. This is our main text for this series out of Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Some people think that making disciples only involves evangelism. Only involves witnessing. Only involves telling others about Jesus. But as we've seen, making disciples means to, to teach new believers the word of God and to help them mature in their faith and to become like Jesus. And listen, all of us have this a part to play in this. This is not just for me or full-time pastors or missionaries or paid staff. This is for all of us. This is for you. God wants all of us involved in making disciples of all the nations. He wants all of us involved in following Christ and helping others follow Christ. He wants all of us involved in obeying his commands and teaching others to obey his commands. But what happens before discipleship and before teaching? Before we teach them, we must reach them. You've got to reach them first. So, so I'm speaking today on this R in forward in a sermon simply called reach. Reach. The word reach has several meanings. I looked it up this week, and it means to arrive somewhere. You have reached your destination. It means to move your arm towards something, to reach out so that you can pick it up. It means to achieve a goal you've been working forward. I've been working forward this. I've been working for, towards this. I've been working towards this. You've seen on our screen the, 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 the amount we're believing for in raising money for missions this year. Well, we're, we're reaching towards that. And one day this year, we will reach that goal. Uh, reach means to succeed in contacting somebody you've been trying to talk to. I've been trying to reach you. And in the early days, uh, I was thinking about reach. In the early days of our church, we... Our, our vision statement is touching heaven and changing earth. But in the early days, we also had earth, other ways we, we said that. We don't do it so much anymore. But we had other sayings include knowing God and making him known. And also reaching up in worship, reaching out in love. That's how we touch heaven and, and change earth. We reach up in worship 
and we reach out in love. And as a church and as individual believers, we should all be reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Reaching up is anything we do to touch God. The, uh, prayer, praise, worship. Corporately, individually, we touch God. We reach up to God. Reaching in speaks of things we do within our church family, within our church body to, to get connected, to build relationships, to meet needs in the church family. All of us should be reaching up to God, but, but reaching in the church family, reaching in to help each other. And then reaching out speaks of the things we do to get connected, build relationships, and meet needs in the community. It includes the ministries we talked about today, the, the home ministry and the nursing home ministry. It also includes everything we do as individuals to reach others for Jesus Christ. And when we say we reach others for Jesus Christ, it means we move towards them. We reached out to them. We contacted them. We, and we took the opportunity to share Jesus with them, to share the plan of salvation with them. Now listen, I want you to get this today. You might think you can do nothing to impact history. Most of us probably think that. But I want you to know that this, this is my first point today. One person can change history. One person can change history. Throughout Scripture, we have example after example of this. It's the power of one. God used one man named Noah to save mankind from extinction. God used one woman named Esther to save the Jewish people from destruction. And you might think, well, okay, Pastor Joe, if you're a Noah, you're an Esther, you can change the world. I'm saying one average person can change the world. One ordinary person can change the world. Do you know that a, just an ordinary, average Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball changed the world dramatically? And you've probably never even heard his name. How many here have heard of Edward Kimball? Pastor Deb, some of you. In 1855, Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher who took it very seriously, took seriously his role in discipling young men. He was teaching teenage men. And not only did he teach them, he visited them, visited them during the week to get to know them. And one of them was a young man. He was 17 years old. He sold shoes for his uncle. And Edward went and visited him at the shoe shop and led him to the Lord. And that shoe salesman quit his job, became an evangelist. His name was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody traveled the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is estimated that in his lifetime, this is in, in the 1800s, that he reached over a hundred million people through live crusades. He did crusades of 10, 15, 20,000 people back then. And through the written word and his books and all the ways that he used for, for outreach. This guy reached over a hundred million people. In, in, 19, in 1879, he preached in England. He had massive crusades all across England, and it was an amazing revival. And a pastor named Fred Meyer felt led to come to America. And while preaching at a college campus, Fred Meyer led a young YMCA worker to the Lord. His name was J. Wilbur Chapman, and, and he became a strong, mature Christian and minister. And he got an ex-baseball player named Billy Sunday to hold a revival 
Festival in Charlotte, North Carolina. Billy Sunday was a famous evangelist traveling America and reached, reached thousands and thousands of people for the Lord. It went so well that the local ministers held another revival and brought an evangelist named Mordecai Ham to that town to preach. In that meeting, a 16-year-old boy gave his heart to the Lord. His name, Billy Graham. Billy Graham preached to more people and led more people to the Lord than anyone in history. He preached to over 210 million people in his lifetime. So you put him and just him and D.L. Moody, you've got over 300 million people that, were, that received the gospel of Jesus Christ through all, these, through all these ministers. Who knows how many untold hundreds of millions of people heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it all started almost 100 years before that when a Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball took the opportunity at, to reach out to a young man and say, I want to make sure you know Jesus. And it changed the world. That's the power of one. One person can make a huge difference in the world. That means you can make a difference. There has never, ever, ever in the history of the world been anyone exactly like you. And there never will be again. And you've been made by God for such a time as this. You are no accident. You are no quirk of fate. You have been created by God, and he has a purpose for your life. And for whatever else you do in your life, God calls you to make a difference in this world. And you might not think that your part is important, but we've got all got our part to do, no matter how small it seems. You don't know how much of an impact you're having on other people's lives. When Edward Kimball taught D.L. Moody in Sunday school, he did not know no, he was the D.L. Moody. I, I read about the story this week. I went back and looked at it again. And Edward Kimball, when he was interviewed years later, he said, none of us in church had a clue that D.L. Moody would reach anybody for Jesus. We never thought he'd be an evangelist. He was just a young man who's, who I had a heart to reach for Jesus. And I reached out to him. And he came to the Lord. They didn't know he, who he was going to be. When I was growing up and my dad was whooping my rear end when I got out of line, he didn't know he was whooping the Joe Oakley. <laughs> but because he did it, I am who I am today, right? Uh, thank you, Dad. Uh-oh. You don't know. You don't know. And some of this you won't know. Thank God Edward Kimball was, was able to know about D.L. Moody. He didn't know about all those others that came after. He didn't know about Billy Graham. That was almost 100 years later. You don't know what's down the road of the impact that you've had. Those of you who've been in missions in, in, in Papua New Guinea and the Solomon's Islands and Liberia and Guinea, West Africa and wherever you've been, there are people going on and lives that have been touched you have no clue about yet. And lives will be touched for, uh, for, uh, for eternity because of your ministry. You're working in children's church, chasing down little kids, going home tired, thinking you're not making a difference. You don't know who those kids are going to turn out to be. There may be future preachers or presidents in that class i want to expand your vision for what you do you can be ministering to somebody that, that makes a huge impact in, in the world and some people we look around us and see all sometimes we look around us see all the problems and think there's really it's too much I, there's nothing i can really do 
and we get so overwhelmed by everything, listen, listen, we get so overwhelmed by everything that we do nothing. But if we would just do something, we could impact everything. I like the quote from Edward Hale. He said, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And I will not let what I cannot do hinder the something that I can do. And so many of us go through life, well, I wish I could sing like this person or preach like that person or do this like that person. Or, and because I can't, I'm going to do nothing. But you don't want to stand before God someday. And he says, what did you do with the gifts I gave you? You remember, he's going to hold us accountable, the parable of the talents. and He's going to hold us accountable for what he gave us. What, do you have increase? We had a word about increase today. Do, can you show increase? I gave you this. What did you do with it? Oh, Lord, I hid it. I didn't think it was that big. I didn't think it was that good. I mean, that five-talent person, that ten-talent person, I, I understand, but I'm only a one-talent person. And, and, and so, yeah, I didn't think my one talent was that big. No. What are you doing with the gifts, talents that God has given you? God can use you to impact future generations. You can impact one person who impacts millions. We look at the saints like the Apostle Paul, who was the, pretty much the foremost spokesman for the gospel, who wrote much of the New Testament, and we think, I could never make that kind of impact. But Paul would have never become who he was without the influence of others. And the second thing I want you to see this morning is that God can use one act of obedience to impact the world. Acts 9 tells the story of a man named Saul who was uh, a religious Pharisee who hated Christians. He wanted them dead. He wanted them imprisoned. He was fighting against them until he had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ. He wasn't a seeker. He wasn't seeking Jesus. He was seeking to kill Christians. <laughs> he was a different kind of seeker. And in Acts 9, it says, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, that's what the followers of Christ were called back then, the followers of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. But on that trip to Damascus where he was going to get Christians, arrest them, have them bound, and have them even killed, he was blinded by a light from heaven. He saw the Lord. He had an, an encounter with Jesus Christ that changed him instantly and changed him forever. Amen. He became a new man. And God told him, go into town and wait for further instructions. And, and he had been blinded by this light that he had seen on the road to Damascus. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Very little is known about Ananias. The only time Ananias is mentioned in the Bible is right here. And then later on in Acts, when Paul retells the story, that's all we know about him. He was a believer. God spoke to him. We know he was living in Damascus. 
That means that he was one of the very people that Paul was on his way to Damascus to persecute. He was one of the people Paul wanted bound up, put in jail, and even killed. Ananias seems to have a very small role in the New Testament, but without that role, Paul's ministry would never have been launched. His promise left unfulfilled, his mission incomplete. But the Bible says Ananias went his way, entered the house, laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, he sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized. God didn't ask Ananias to do a risk assessment about witnessing to Saul. You know, make a column and put the, the pros on this side and the cons on this side. And so what's the con? Well, he, he's here to persecute me. He's here to take me to prison. He wants me dead. You can go on with the list. What's the pro? God said, do it. God didn't say, get a committee together and y'all pray about doing it. He didn't say, go seek what other people think. He didn't say, get a committee to evaluate the wisdom of witnessing to Saul. He just told Ananias, go, and Ananias went. Think about it. He said, go, here's, go on this street, this house, you're going to find this man, here's his name. He's going to be praying when you get there, and here's the words you say to him. There wasn't a lot of preparation. Just do what God said. And so Ananias did it. Immediately Paul was healed. Paul became the, Saul became the apostle Paul. He took the gospel to the known world. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Ananias helped change the world by obeying God and reaching one person. All that we know from his history is he reached one man for Jesus. That's how great things are accomplished. Are accomplished. God speaks and someone listens. God commands and someone obeys. It happened to Moses when God spoke to him from a burning bush. It happened to Jeremiah when he was called to be a prophet. It happened to Joshua when God said, I want you to lead Israel. It happened to Abraham when he was called to be the father of our faith. It happened to, to the disciples when they were called by Jesus to leave their nets and become fishers of men. It happened to Ananias when he heard the call to pray for Saul. And it can happen to you if you would hear God and obey what he says. World change starts with God speaking, and then when and it, it continues when we hear God and we obey God. And what I want you to see in the story of Ananias is this: number three, there's on, there are some people that only you can reach. There are some people that only you can reach, only you can get through to them, only you can touch them. They need God; they need a touch from God, like. Paul needed a touch. And God wants to touch them through you. Only you have the ability to reach them. Now, you could argue if Ananias didn't go, God could have sent somebody else, and that's true. But God called Ananias, and Ananias answered. And Ananias was used by God to transform the world. I don't want to be the one that is left out because God told me to do something, and I said no. And so he picked somebody else to do it. I want to do, hear from God and do what he says. Ananias was not as gifted as Paul. He wasn't as knowledgeable as Paul. 
He wasn't, he, but he didn't let that stop him. He was mightily used by God. And you might not think that you're as gifted as others, as others but, but that's okay. God can use a small gift to meet the needs of many people. After all, he used a little boy's sack lunch to, to feed a crowd of 5,000 people. Many of us get this, this attitude that the need is so great. What's my little bit? What's my little offering? What's my giving a dollar or five dollars to missions going to accomplish? What, what is my little contribution going to accomplish? But here's, what, here's the truth. Anytime you serve in Jesus' name, no matter how small, it matters. I like this translation of 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Throw yourselves into the work of the Lord, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Somebody needs to hear this today. Nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Well, I've been toiling away at this and nobody noticed. I've been doing this and nobody said thanks. I've been doing these things and and it doesn't seem to accomplish much. Nothing you do for the Lord is a waste. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It all matters, even the little stuff, because in God's there really is no little service. He said, even if you just give a cup of cold water in my name, that counts. That is big to me. That is serving me. And that is the way we serve the Lord. And all service matters. But the, the, we look at things from our limited perspective, and we can't see that, that how, how our small acts can have big consequences, big results. But they do. Years ago, two teenage boys went to a church service that was so packed out they couldn't find any seats. I'm praying for that to happen here again. Yeah. We're getting fuller. We're getting fuller every week. People are coming back. I'm praying that, that it's going to come a day soon when we're going to have to add the other service back and we're going to have to be looking for seats to, 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 to seat people. I hope y'all are praying with me. I hope y'all are believing with me. These guys couldn't find any seats, so they just said, well, let's just go. They're going to turn around and leave. But one usher said, hold on, hold on. Come on, guys. I'll find you a seat. And he looked all over that auditorium, and finally he found a seat, two seats, and he, he personally escorted them to those seats. And that night, both of those boys accepted Jesus Christ and became Christians. One of them was Billy Graham, who I mentioned earlier, who's led hundreds of millions of people to the Lord. Do you think that usher is going to get any credit in heaven? I do. Well, all I did was ush. I just ushered some boys in. I ushered them in. I I found them a seat. So that's not that big of a deal. That's a big deal. You helped these guys hear the word of the Lord that came to Jesus and then were responsible for preaching the gospel to millions of others. Don't don't, don't think that, that, that little things don't have impact. Listen to this. Never belittle the little. Never belittle the little. Because it's all important to God. And real service, real servants do everything, small tasks and big tasks, with equal dedica- dedication because, because they know it's all important. And you might not think that you have much to give, but if you give God what you have to give, he will multiply it to meet needs that you could never meet on your own. You might think that God can't use you until you get to a certain place in life. But once I get here, or once I get there, or once I get out of school, or once I get my kids raised, it's always somewhere out there. But if you go ahead and let God use you where you are, he will take you farther than you, than you ever could have gone alone. And you might think that God can't use you now. You need to wait. But if you let God use you right now, right where you are, he will make you someone that you you could never be on your own. 
But see, that means, for that to happen, you've got to do what Ananias did. And, and, and this is my fourth point this morning. People who overcome excuses are the ones God uses. People who overcome excuses are the ones God uses. Ananias had more than excuses. He had legitimate reasons to be concerned. In fact, Acts 9, 12 through 16 says, Ananias, when God told him to go pray for Saul, he said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Can you imagine that if somebody told you that right when you became a Christian? Oh, by the way, here's the things you're going to suffer for the Lord. It's kind of interesting because the, the, the persecutor became the persecuted. The one who was chasing down believers became the one who got chased down, had to run, had to hide. But basically, God told Ananias, listen, it doesn't matter what he's done in the past. And this wasn't ancient history. This, he was yesterday. <laughs> None of that matters. I, I've chosen him. Go and just obey what I told you. So Anna and I had this ch- tough choice to go to this man who they had all been hiding from. And I can hear Ananias say, God, you know, you do realize. <laughs> and that's kind of what he said. God, you do realize who this man is. You do realize his mission. He's here to kill Christians which means he's here to kill me. But God says, I know who he is. I know better than you who he is. And I'm sending you to pray for him. I'm going to use you to change him so I can use him to change the world. So who is it that you're not taking the word to because you're afraid because of who they were or what they've done? Who is it that you're afraid to speak that God, you've had, you felt a burden from God to share the truth with them, but you've held back because, well, they may think this or they may do that. Listen, just do what God tells you and leave the results for him. But I feel so inadequate. Listen, I feel inadequate. Do you know why we all feel inadequate? Because we are all inadequate. The sooner you would learn this, the better off you will be. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. We are not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as it were coming from ourselves. But our adequacy, our sufficiency, our competency, it's from God who made us adequate to be ministers of the new covenant. It's not about us. It's about him. You might think you're too weak, but listen, when you're weak, he's strong. You might think you aren't smart enough, but God is wise enough. You might think you're too young, but don't let anybody despise your youth. You may think you're too old, but the Bible says the gray hair is a crown of glory. Whatever your reason is, I make no apology today to say that one of the most important things you can ever do in your life is to reach, reach others for Jesus Christ. It's more important than your career, your hobbies or anything else and God doesn't expect you to be a perfect Christian before you do it if that was true you'd never do it and God doesn't expect you to wait for perfect conditions for it to happen in fact Ecclesiastes 11:4 says if you wait for perfect conditions you will never get anything done somebody needs to hear that today 
maybe in a business decision you're wanting to make or a decision in life and you're just waiting for everything to, to the stars to align and the birds to circle around your head and angels to sing, oh, and you just, that's it. You're not going to get that. People who make a difference do the best they can with what they have right now. They don't wait. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Let me let you in on a secret. There's always more needs in a church than people willing to meet those needs. Most people say, here I am. Send him. (laughs) There's always more people who need to hear about Jesus than there are people willing to share about Jesus. Pastor Ann quoted the, the statistics to us a week or two ago that the average Christian reaches zero people for Jesus in their lifetime. Zero. But there's people dying and going to hell that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. You can't reach them all, but you can reach some. The Bible talks about the power of one all the way through the Bible. A giant named Goliath held the entire army of Israel at bay until one shepherd boy came along, one shepherd named David, one man with faith in God. He defeated the giant and routed the enemy. That's the power of one who was operating in the power of the Spirit. A man named Haman Haman was on the verge of killing all the Jewish people until a woman named Esther came along and said, I was born for, for such a time as this. She risked her life and saved all her people. That's the power of one. One day God looked down on creation and he said the people are so evil I'm going to destroy them all but God found one man one man Noah found grace in the sight of God he obeyed God and built a boat in faith even though it had never rained before thank God for that one man without him none of us would be here today that's the power of one and thank God that one day one man named Jesus Christ shed his blood on a cross and paid the price for the sin every sin ever committed by anyone who's ever lived I challenge you today, overcome your excuses and make a difference. Listen, so many people in the Bible had excuses. Abraham was old, Timothy was young, Jacob was insecure, Leah was unattractive, Joseph was uh, abused, Moses stuttered, Gideon was poor, Rahab was immoral, David had an affair, Jonah ran from God, Jeremiah was depressed, Elijah was suicidal, Martha worried, Thomas had doubts, Peter was hot-tempered, Naomi was a widow with no visible means of support, the Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular with everybody because he cheated them out of their money. But what was the common denominator among all these people? They quit making excuses and God did great things through them. And if you quit making excuses, God can do great things through you. You can share your faith with other people. You can reach people that no one else can. Listen, I want to take the pressure off you today to win people for Jesus Christ. God doesn't expect you to save anyone. You cannot save any person. But God expects all of us to be witnesses. To be witnesses. What does a witness do? They share what they have seen, what they have heard, what they have experienced. By, and they, so they tell other people how Jesus has changed their life. It's like the man and the, the blind man who was healed. And people ask him all kinds of theological questions that he couldn't answer. He said... I don't know the answers. All I know is this. I was blind. Now I see. You don't have to have answers for everybody's questions. 
Listen to me. All you got to be able to say is, look, I was depressed, but now I have the joy. I, I was addicted, but now I'm free. I, 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 I was hateful, but now I, I, I love people. I, Jesus changed me. I, I, I was lost, but, but now I'm found. All, all you have to do is share what Jesus has done in your life. I know you can do it because God promised to help you in the power of his Holy Spirit. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So I challenge you today, stop making excuses and start making a difference by reaching up in worship and reaching out in love in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. I see what happens if one person, you take missions, if one person gives a dollar a month and one person gives five and one person gives 25 and one gives 50 and, and one gives 100, you know, God, it, all that adds up. All that adds up. We need the $1 contributions just as much as the $100 contributions. It all adds up. Start somewhere. In your giving, start somewhere. Start with a dollar, start somewhere. In your witnessing, start somewhere. Just begin to, tell, to pray for people or just to tell people, hey, I'll pray for you when you hear they have a need. Just something that small. Start somewhere and watch God increase it and make a difference through you. Lord, I thank you for all these awesome men and women of God. Lord, you want to make a difference through them. You want to use all of us. Lord, deliver us from our fears. Deliver us from our small-minded thinking. Deliver us from our rational excuses. Deliver us from any way, God, that we excuse ourselves from obeying your commands. And I pray each one of us would obey your word. Be witnesses people around us of your grace, your love, is simply telling them how good you are and how much you love them. People need to hear it. We need to share it. We need to reach. Make us all, make us a church of people who reach up in worship and reach out in love, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.